0: The question the KRVN crew gets most, when are you going to call my initials? For more than 65 years, we've been spinning that monogram money wheel to give you a chance to match your lucky name to our lucky letters. Simple rules, great winnings, awarding more than $200,000 over the course of our rich history. And we won't be satisfied until you're a winner. Mornings with Paul Perkins, afternoons with Brandon Bennett, Saturday mornings too. Yep, we're still spinning for winning on Monogram Money, 880 KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield on the road at the Iowa Power Farming Show. Not very far down the road, if I'd have planned it right, I could have just maybe gone up to your office. Sue Martin joins us from Claring, Iowa, with Ag and Investment. Looking at this, I wanted to kind of quickly start with the weather because that's where everybody's talking, these cold weather The effects that we're seeing, um, talk of winter kill happening in some areas with the wheat, happening with the uh, alfalfa concerns, not only that, the livestock concerns. There's a lot of things that are impacting this market besides of what's happening on a global
1: perspective for grains. Well, there certainly is. The um, weather forecast continues to show that we're going to have bitterly cold temps across the central U.S. Minimum temps will be a minus 15 degrees. And, of course, that could cause some risk for hard red winter wheat if it pushes far enough west. And then, of course, the soft red wheat um, is expected to really have some issues. And, you know, that's in the southern half of the Midwest. And these temps are going all the way down to Louisiana. So um, it's going to be interesting. But the eastern half of Nebraska and the northeastern side of Kansas is vulnerable as well. The... um, uh, dramatic cold kind of like similar to a year ago after we come out of these really uh cold cold temps you know minneapolis uh wind chill of minus 50 degrees tomorrow and then the um you know iowa is very cold as well well we all are and that is then followed by a very nice warm-up over the weekend. And then we see a secondary cold surge in early February, which is feared that it'll cause more stress again for the winter wheat. So we'll see what happens. But um, I think that, um, you know, the winter wheat seedings are at um, basically 110-year low. Crop condition ratings are well under average. And, you know, and you've got the um, uh, wheat in dormancy. And, you know, our long-term outlook for weather is calling for February to be similar to that of November, very cold and wet, and then March is supposed to be the worst month for the winter. So, if that is the case, it may cause winter wheat to be a little slower coming out of dormancy, but you won't really know the damage off winter kill until it comes out of dormancy, and that's where we'll really find out what the crop's like. It's just maybe something different
0: for them to focus on than what's happening globally, which we're moving into another day of obviously lower numbers, a lot of uncertainty out there. We have the Chinese meeting starting later today. Then you had all those charges that were filed. So not good news as we move into some negotiations.
1: No, it's not. In fact, that's why I think the market is lower here today on soybeans. You know, currently down four and a quarter and corn's down two and and the wheat's down five and a half, five and three quarters, which has bounced just a little uh off of it. But um basically I think that um that's kinda what gave us this red day. Um I still think we'll catch here and catch a day up in into here, but I had thought maybe Friday, unless there's something astronomically good, I had thought Friday we would probably hear um, or see the markets deteriorate into the end of the week and of course the first day of the new year, uh, month. but traders are they're very apprehensive on this time around. and if you notice, we're just not hearing much talk. It has been very quiet. Are we going to see any more chatter pick up or
0: is it just to the point that we're having so much information thrown at us? It's hard to digest, especially with the government just reopening this week.
1: Well, it may be that way. I think that um once we get into February and we get all these reports coming at us on um, uh February 8th when we have our supply demand uh supply and demand numbers released, I think that's when we're going to see uh the inflection of um, the numbers that we would have had in january they're going to infuse them into those numbers and so we'll have our final yield uh... everybody pretty much most everybody thinks the yield's going to decline both in beans and corn and we'll also get an idea of acres in wheat and so it's a very important report which is going to make that a very volatile report when normally it's not and then the other thing we have this week we 're thinking we will get uh, export sales out on Thursday morning, and that will be interesting to see finally get caught up on the sales data that it should show us what we 've been having in the past here while we 've been closed for the government
0: So how do you guys market knowing that the February eighth report is going to be such a large report and so much information coming your way? A lot to digest just on that day alone, but leading into it to be prepared.
1: Oh, it is. Um, basically, we're looking at doing taking some option strategies to protect us through those reports and have ourselves covered. Um, beans, you know, we continue to see November beans hover around the 9.57, 9.60 area. Um, it's been holding there. That's a pretty good price. And you know, keeping in mind that the contract high for this year's November bean is 10.10. So that's not very far away, and we just don't expect new contract highs on November beans. Um, You know, the forecast going forward also is going to be very important as to what the weather holds because April is supposed to be similar to that of a year ago. If that is true, and granted, we all know weather can change, but if that is the case, that's going to mean the potential for acres to switch at the last minute.
0: Which is something we need to keep in mind because typical, you know, that we'd be talking about acreage switch, but this year there seems to be more heaviness to it.
1: Oh, there is. You know, everybody expects more corn acres, and I don't think we're going to have as many corn acres as what they started off talking about. I think that what we're going to see is maybe around a 1.8, 2 million, 1.9... Let's
0: talk more about that. Stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. It is the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, being joined by Sue Martin of Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. I am at the Iowa Power Farming Show that is underway this week in Des Moines. We uh, left off, I want to talk more about 1972, and you talk about the soybeans and all the factors that are being leveled up. Looking at that year, looking at where we're at right now, what are some comparisons that our bean producers can take away from that?
1: Well first off um back in nineteen seventy two to seventy three we had in fact, i should back it up and even in nineteen seventy um to seventy one we were seeing the government get out of the uh uh grain storage facilities they were getting closing them out, moving grain out of the a s c s office uh you know grain bin Quonset sites, and I remember it so well because That was probably one of my first jobs was to sit in a car by the gate and count the trucks that went in and out. And it was boring, and I read a lot. But um, I remember Russia at the time, you know, we took... President Nixon took the um, uh, dollar off of the gold standard and allowed the dollar to float. And Russia came in and bought 30% of our grain. And we had been six years from a previous high when that market started to take off and after it had based in 72 and started taking off and of course we all know how that was the first time we ever seen $12 beans in 1973 well now fast forward to currently and we're once again dealing with trade with a major country in the world China and their appetite for everything is huge because they can't produce enough, their soils aren't um they're they're um, contaminated with metals and things like that so they don't have the ground to be able to produce all that that country needs for 1.4 billion people so here they come at us and all of a sudden we're working a trade deficit that with them and they say okay we'll buy enough grain over six years to take care of and wipe out the trade deficit Well, that's fine. The U.S. wants it in two years. So somewhere in there they'll end up maybe it's three or maybe it's four years, something like that. But the problem is when you're talking, the amount of money that they're talking, they're going to be consuming an awful lot of our agricultural products. And it'll probably also be energy as well, crude oil. So the next thing you see is all of a sudden we're seeing this huge pull of grain out of the U.S. going to China, and I just wonder, is it possible we're looking at a grain robbery like we did with Russia back in the early 70s?
0: You know, they always say, you know, history repeats itself, so hopefully we can learn from history and not have that repeat in place.
1: That's true, but if we do get that, all of a sudden, our stocks, our global stocks, even the U.S. stocks, our stocks will be diminished very quickly.
0: Unfortunately, some things we need to keep in mind. I wanted to run south of the border quick to look at the dryness that continues to be on Brazil. I mean, I know that they've heard, I've actually heard of some disappointing yields that have been coming in so far. What are you hearing from your folks down there, Sue?
1: Well, some of them are indicating that we talked to, that are indicating that the yields are worse than what was originally thought they would be. the And that the final production may end up being kind of a, a Worse than what we're hearing. Now the worst one we've heard is 115, um, 115 million metric tons. The highest now is around 117. So the USDA will address that, and of course we expect that they're going to lower Brazilian production. They might lower Argentine a little bit, um, and yet still they'll be higher than they were a year ago because they're catching rain as opposed to drought like they had a year ago. But the other thing is there's a pattern of high-pressure ridge across north-central Brazil and a low-pressure vortex across Argentina persisting this week, and that's keeping that ridge in place. But the longer-term outlook, which is probably, you know, the 15- to 30-day forecast, is almost indicating that the jet stream might lift a further north and then allow for the confidence of normal brazilian rainfall in the northern part of the country and maybe even into the central part and then less rain in argentina which if that was to occur that would certainly allow for for better um ending of their crop season and allow them to maybe regain some yield on beans but but basically you know when you talk um the first crop of corn what damage is done is done um the second crop, the saffrina, is getting planted. Uh, you know, we're hearing that the temperatures here for the next 10 days are going to be above normal. And so it'll be interesting to see, but I think that uh, there is some hope in that thirty to 15- uh, to 30-day forecast. Sounds good. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051, and you all have a great
0: day. Thanks so much. Sue Martin is joining us with Agate Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. That is your Fontenelle Final Bell for today, being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local Fontenelle dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.